Good morning. This is uh, a vision for you recorded Wednesday, February 15th, 2017, Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I'm calling in from Oregon. Before we dive into this incredible study today, we have a commercial for you this morning on an update for our convention, The Power of the Big Book. For those that have may have not heard, a vision for you convention is all set. The Power of the Big Book convention date is September 15th through the 17th, 2017, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Be sure and run to register for this life-changing experience on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. You'll find all the information for registering for a convention there on that website. It's going to be at the Liberty International Airport Marriott, northern New Jersey. There's also additional great news for you. We have learned that there are more rooms, more of those double-double rooms that you've been looking for, for those that want to bunk up and save bucks. We thought that they were gone, so don't hesitate to register because we do have a few more there on that site for those rooms that you can take care of through the website as well. The next exciting news is that we have a bulletin board on our website for those looking to share rooms share their passenger car seats, or looking to catch a ride or get a room. You'll have access to contact information for that great hookup. That, too, is on our website. You can find that at www.avisionforyou.info. Just to repeat that, we have a bulletin board on our website for those hookups for getting there and staying there at our convention this weekend. For those that have registered, please double-check your registration information for your rooms. The default dates on that site for the Marriott inadvertently set the dates automatically for the 13th through the 17th. That's September 13th through the 17th. That would have included Wednesday and Thursday. It is possible that you erroneously book for those extra dates and you may not want those. So please go back and check for those. So without further ado, let's get to our meeting today, our study today. Thank you. And thank you, Melanie. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, February 15th, 2017. And today we're reading from the big book and we are in Bill's story on page six. First paragraph beginning the remorse, horror, and hopelessness through two paragraphs ending, I was 40 pounds underweight. The first paragraph read for context only. Comments will all be focused on the second paragraph. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Stacy T, and for the 12 traditions, Chris G. And the readers of the text are Devorah S. and Janice B. The share ID for yesterday, Tuesday, February 14th, is 9597. 9597. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. 
There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Stacy T. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Stacy T. recovering in Cleveland. Thanks for your service, Anita, and for everybody on Team Wednesday. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, Stacy T. And now I will ask Chris G. to read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G., compulsive overeater in Connecticut. The 12 traditions, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Number two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group of conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought ne- never endorse, finance, or lend an OA, the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, uh, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 
Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before uh, personalities. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris G. How our meeting works. Our our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what we read, to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book We're in Bill's story, and we're on page six, beginning the horror and hopelessness, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness through two paragraphs, ending, I was 40 pounds underweight. The first paragraph read for context only. Comments focused on the second paragraph. And I will ask Devorah S., to start us off. Good morning, Devorah. And good morning to you and vision for you. This is Devorah S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street lest I could collapse and be run down by an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. For mine enjoyed his agony two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse, 
when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish, I feared I would burst through my window, sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor, lest I suddenly leap. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. Wow. This paragraph is... Can you hear me? You hearing me okay? Yes. Okay, great. I'm sorry. These paragraphs are telling my story. You know, when it says the first sentence, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. Yes, my mind tells me things that I want to hear. And my body puts, puts up with a lot of craziness that I did with the food. Um, and it endured it for many, many years. You know, it talks about, you know, how he's fearful that, that you know, he's, he's, he's going to jump through a window. You know, I was afraid to, to, to go to sleep at night, wondering, you know, am I going to wake up in the morning? You know, my children was little, were little, and I remember laying in bed. And they were imitating the way mommy breathes because I was breathing. I had such, my snoring filled the house. And, you know, it was, it, they were laughing. They were imitating. This is how mommy sounds. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, that got me thinking, wow, you know, this is, this is how I sound. Will it get me through the night? You know, am I going to be able to wake up in the morning? Um, the, the, you know, when, the combination soon landed me on the rock. So here I am, you know, feeling the, the, the mental obsession that it's okay, whatever I'm doing, you know, I can still handle it. You know, nothing's going to happen to me this time. And, um, and then continuing eating, you know, how I was eating and then becoming so sick again, so sick that I can't function and um, not able to, to, to be available to people um, and how often, you know, thinking that, you know, I'm going to move, you know, there were times that I moved and early on, you know, I moved from one community to another community. This was going to be it. Just like he went from city to country thinking, you know, that, that transformation, that's going to do it. That's going to be the, that's going to be the answer or a new job or whatever it is that's going on. You know, this is going to be the answer. People fear for my sanity People feared for my health. My mother took me on a vacation away from everyone just so she can talk to me and say, I'm really scared for you, Devorah, you know? It's, it's hard enough that I lost my father, my husband, my, 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 my mother lost her husband. She said, I lost my husband at a young age. I don't want to lose you. This is what she was telling me, you know, the complications of what's going to be if, if I continue the way I was going. And, of course, I listened and I listened and, you know, I didn't take anything to heart because, you know, I, I can go on like this. You know, my mind told me it's not so bad. 
even though I was running from doctor to doctor, I had high blood pressure, diabetes, neuropathy started settling in in my feet. Um, you know, I was going from doctor to doctor, you know, and, and trying to find the t- taking medications and um, thinking, you know, this too will pass. You know, one day I'll get this thing under control. And even though I had diabetes and my sugars were high, you know, and doctors were telling me I need nobody. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it. So I would eat foods that had sugar free and whatever, but, you know, binging on that stuff. But that didn't help, you know. So my mind and body were holding on to this thinking, you know, I, you know, one day it's going to happen. One day I'll be able to, to, to get this, this, um, this thing, you know, I'll be able to lick this thing. Um, I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. Well, you know, I kept, I, nothing stopped me from eating, and the weight didn't keep me, I didn't get underweight. In fact, I just kept going over and over. That was my thing. Even though the foods I thought was okay, whatever I was eating was sugar-free or was whatever kind of free, but it didn't make, get me to lose the weight that I needed to lose. I was still close to 300 pounds. And, um, you know, nothing did the job until I walked. Thank you. I'll just finish up. Nothing did the job until I walked into these rooms and cracked open this book and learned about what my, what this thing is all about. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Devorah S. Who would like to share for three minutes approximately? Rachel W. Betsy B, Rachel, Rachel, and Melissa C. Tina S. Reva P. Wait a minute. Um, Tina S. and Reva P. And who, Kathy, was it? Jackie P. Jackie P., just a minute. Tina, Tina S. and Reva P. and Jackie. Lauren N. Lauren N. Betsy B, Rachel, Melissa C, um, Tina S. Um, now, now I can't even read my own handwriting. Was it? Is it Renee and Jackie and Lauren N? Jackie Lisa B. B. And Lisa B. Okay, that's a nice little lineup here. Let's let's start. Betsy B, followed by um, Rachel. Go ahead, Betsy. Hi, I'm Betsy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in northern Wisconsin. I really love the first line of the the second paragraph here. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for my endured this agony two more years. And... I may have felt that way before I came into the program and didn't realize I was enduring that. And But the thing is that after I came to the 12 steps, my first meeting in OA was 1979 and AA and OA both in 1980. Mine endured that agony for 27 years of relapse after almost a year of abstinence. And I came in at 250, was in, at 250 pounds when I came back a year later and actually started. And then 27 years later when I finally came back and 
surrender to the idea that if I didn't do what they actually say, it's going to kill me after two throws. I had managed to lose and gain um, about 120 pounds back and forth over that time. Had that totally out of control diabetes and I don't know how my body could possibly have lived through that. That, to me, is so much evidence of a higher power that has something left for me to do. And I've been able to recover from six strokes, diabetes and overeating related at first, but now they just keep happening because of stroke risk. And that's the, one of the consequences that I live with of my compulsive overeating, but I live well with it, and I'm very, very grateful. Um, I spent all, I've been sober since 1980 and abstinent in OA since 19, or 2008, mostly using the HAL format, but um, I've recently changed to a different um, way of handling my food with great gratitude toward the HAL format to learn all the things I did. And I find that this Bible, uh, Bible, um, Big Book study and the Joe and Charlie study and all the work I've done with OA and AA sponsors over the years, I've read the Big Book, I've done that how many times, and the AA and the OA 12 and 12, I've read both of those a number of times, and I've read daily reflections and vision for you, and or not vision for you, um, Voices of Recovery and For Today and As Real Season. Over a number of years, I've gone through those day by day. And there's an endless source in the literature of how to live in the 12 steps to maintain a closer and deeper and more loving contact with a higher power. It isn't me, isn't food, isn't alcohol. It's just pure universal love. And my prayer every day is please help me and thank you for helping me. And may I be a channel to receive and radiate your uh, universal love. And I'm very grateful and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Etsy B. And I'd just like to remind everybody to... Um, uh, Try to be very mindful of the three minutes. This is such an exciting paragraph to talk about. Um, Rachel, please, be, I mean, yes, Rachel, please begin. You're next. Was it Rachel after Betsy B and before Melissa C? Or was it Hi, it's Rachel. Rachel, good, good. I don't know my handwriting today. La, la, la. Go ahead. It's great. You're doing fine. It's great to hear you on the line. Thank you so much. This is Rachel Delby, a recovered compulsive overreader calling from New York. And, you know, in the doctor's opinion, it's like we faced our demons, the disease, obsession of the mind. And here in Bill's story is where I can identify in with the unmanageability that he's clearly spelling out. And I know that by writing this, he's not just archiving his history, you know, by writing this, this is like the 12th step of the century. You know, this is, this is the, the way he's speaking to me, speaking to us, encouraging me to look deep within and, and, and identify with this, with, the, with what's going on in this paragraph here, because I know that I've, I've, I've learned that 
the more I identify in with the problem, the more I can identify in with the solution. So here in this paragraph where he's going through this, this, you know, torture and he's going back and forth and he's describing the escapes and, you know, wanting to escape even himself, you know, this is, this is like a microscopic view into the disease and, and the fact that he just can't put it down and he's standing by the medicine cabinet and there's poison in there and he's still taking it. And he, and he talks about, Bill talks about this in the AA 12 and 12 about there's nothing more unmanageable than holding the glass in hand, admitting how injurious it is. And I experienced that all the time. I knew how damaging food was for me and I, I could not stop. And, and yet here I know and in these paragraphs we learn that it really has nothing to do with food. The, the problem is not food or substances. The problem is I'm watching my own fundamental question play out, which is who do I become when I don't get my way? You know, and, and not getting my way used to mean that I just wanted out. I just wanted to, to the escape, I, like a tantrum two-year-old. Um, and when he describes his flights from the city to country and back, I can so relate to this, um, not just physically, but, you know, emotionally, just wanting to escape myself. But the problem is that, you know, that famous line, wherever I go, there I am. And, and if I'm there without the steps, I'm really in trouble. Um, because, you know, he's seeking that relief and he's saying that this torture is just too much. And it's anything, anything. He wants to do anything not to feel those feelings. And the problem with we discussed before, but the oblivion doesn't last. That's a major flaw <laughs> is, you know, it just doesn't last. It doesn't, it's a, at a time, it doesn't work anymore. So coming in this program, I had to realize that I had to stop using food, stop using substances, stop using people as a substitute for, for, for God and for feeling my feelings. And I was encouraged to feel my feelings here. And it's such a relief um, to know who I am, what I am. Um, I'm not weak. He talks about weakness. I'm not weak. And I don't have to run anymore. And I'm just going to end off with this, that today I have a, di a different response. You know, I, I know it's, it's about me, meaning I, I understand that, you know, that, um, but it's not about me. It's, in other words, it's about me and my actions and my, and my private moments when, when all of us, when we decide to follow our food plan, reach out to our higher power in the fellowship, you know, it's, it's in those moments that, um, that, you know, I stand in my kitchen and I portion my healthy food and I'm not merely following a food plan. Um, I'll just end with saying that, you know, our abstinence is the greatest act of service that keeps this fellowship alive. And it's, that's what's changing the world is, is responding to life's moments so differently. So thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, Melissa C., good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Thank you. And um, <laughs> it's Melissa C. I'm, I'm like on my... Uh, breathing sorry um anyway i you know the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms and and when i read that um it's clear that he's recovered because he's no he's not cursing his body and he's not cursing his mind at this point and um you know when i reached a point where i could say my mind and body are marvelous um i knew i was recovered you know, that I was um, actually grateful for this vessel, this, you know, that sustained such abuse, you know, the things that I did to my body, and it continued, it continued moving, it continued living, you know, yes, excessive weight, crazy diets, laxatives, you know, high blood pressure, um, I, I, I did horrible things to my body, and Somehow it kept enduring, it kept living, and, you know, um, 
I knew I was recovered when I could look at my body undressed and not hate the stretch marks, you know, and not be solely focused on the loose skin. Because when you lose a lot of weight, there's loose skin. There's These are like my scars. And I don't look at them today with like, all that hatred, you know, like, why aren't I perfect? Um, you know, why doesn't my skin look like a model? Why doesn't it look like my 16-year-old daughter, you know? Um, it's not, you know, but it's a beautiful, marvelous mechanism because it's recovered. You know, it took incredible abuse, and my legs still move, you know, no matter what I did to my stomach, no matter how I starved and binged, and, you know, use laxatives and use diet pills and then um, my digestive tract continued to work. It continued to take food, turn it into fuel, use the excess for, for that. You know, it did exactly what it was designed to do. And um, I just smiled when I read that this morning because I thought that's how I know that I'm recovered that I can actually um, be grateful for this incredible mechanism. And, yeah, it went on functioning for years, no matter how I continued to abuse it. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. And Tina S., you're up. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. Thanks so much for your service. Uh, Tina S., Recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida, and well, I'm, I'm just so grateful that it was just referenced that you know this was written when Bill was recovered, so therefore he's sharing his experience so that we can certainly relate. And and you know what I could mostly relate to today in this paragraph was the morning terror and madness, you know, of the horror of the night before. That's what I would wake up in, and and I couldn't face the day, you know, in my mind at the cost of everything I had to escape from reality. Whatever that entailed at the time, you know, because I used many different avenues to get out of the way that I felt and not being comfortable in my own skin. And, and uh, whether it was time that I stole from my employer by not showing up for work or whenever I went to work and all I could do with being broke from buying all this crap that I ate, you know, I had to steal so I could go next door and buy a dozen of donuts so that I could start the day you know it was just insidious you know you know i am a compulsive eater and anorexic so there was a time that i would go to work and couldn't function because i couldn't think so you know i was stealing a lot from employers or from the people around me you know, you know their their sense, sense of sanity you know i stole that from people around me you know i looked for people to fix me you know and they tried they didn't understand you know they didn't have a clue how to and so i was exhausting to be around and, uh, you know, I love that the part in the big book where it talks about there comes a time when I won't have a mental defense. And that defense must come from a power greater than myself. And then, you know, and, and that's what this stuff's all about, you know. So one day at a time, you know, I can do this deal, you know, if, if, I, if I continue to suit up and show up and take some action. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Reva P. Jackie B. followed by Lauren N. Good morning, Jackie. Uh, good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Can I be heard? Yes, very well. Okay, great. Um, I got a lot out of that chapter. It's it's amazing to me, after 25 years in this program, how the big book has just come alive for me. Um, I guess 
like I said to somebody, one of my sponsees, I said, you know, awareness comes as we grow, as we start to develop. And the main thing I've come to realize is when I, you know, all my life, and as other people said, I looked for everybody else to fix me. And when they couldn't fix me, I went to the food. I took days off from work. I took sick days. I did whatever I had to do just so I could uh, fill myself with the food, hoping. You know, I didn't, I wasn't, um, a, what do you call it? I would lie, steal, beg. Um, you know, I, I had no money in college. I had to ask to be like a foster child to my uncle so he could, uh, you know, pay for my toiletries because I spent all my stipend money on food. Um, you know, even when I had a, a, when I got a boyfriend, then I got a husband, then I got a child, nothing changed. You know, I was making money. I was doing what I was supposed to do, but I was spending it all on food because I couldn't live and face life on life's terms. Today, you know, I still am a clutter bug, but you know what? I have clarity today. Today, because I put down the triggers and the the uh, allergy, I can now function with clear head to say, hey, this is how I feel today. This is what's going on today. Um, no, I don't have to tell the whole world about my life so that it could sit back in my face. Today, I have a recovery program where I write, read, and learn every day. You know, I wake up this morning, I say the serenity prayer, I say the third step prayer, I say the seventh step prayer. I ask God to help me today to face the day, whatever it brings. That's new for me, you know, and me not trying to control the entire world because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And in turn, I would get all the, the uh, bounties of it. Today, I make sure that I, my food is in place so that I can be present for everybody and everything in this world. I can't fix them, but I sure can be there for them. So with that, I'll pass, and thank you, everyone, for being on the line. Bye. Thank you so much, Jackie B. Lauren N., good morning. You're up. Good morning, everyone, on Vision for You. Um, this is my first time speaking on the recorded line, and I just felt like I needed to share um, how many times I was in that place of deep, deep desperation, how many times I was just where Bill is right now in this story, thinking about killing myself and thinking about how life would be better if, no, if I was not in it thinking that that if only I could stop eating and lose weight, then my life would be awesome. Um, thought that was my problem. Didn't realize that my problem was not food, that food was my solution. And for today, thank God, I am not required to use food in that manner. Food is or was the way I survived until about two years ago. And thank God for this program, I've known a freedom that I've never known before. 
I have hope, which I've never had before. I look at my, as as some fellow on this line said earlier today, I look at my scars and know that my body has made it through. I have hanging skin and I have um, little points in places that there shouldn't be points from surgeries that I've had done. And thank God for today I am alive and showing and able to move and able to live in a way that I've never dreamt. I'm looking forward to meeting you all in September. And I was probably the third person to register because I heard it and I said, I'm going. I look forward to seeing you all and meeting you all. And I'm so glad for this meeting. I'm here every morning. And I'll mute. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lauren, and glad you shared. Uh, Lisa B., good morning to you. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And um, so much of what has been shared is what jumped out at me. Um, My disease resides in my mind. And um, just as I have this physical allergy, I have that mental obsession. And for so long, I thought abstinence was a key or the sign of being recovered. I never knew what recovered was. I didn't know that I needed to have a recovered state of mind um, in order to continue and stay abstinent. You know, abstinence is the key to get in the door. But then there's all the wonderful work, you know, with these steps to get recovered. And um, this reading to me shows me what a real compulsive overeater is. Um, He's beyond human aid. I'm beyond human aid. And even with all of this stuff that he's experiencing, he still is picking up, you know. And that's that's what, to me, a real compulsive overeater is. Even all this desperation and pain that I felt, I would continue to pick up. I didn't know what a real compulsive overeater I really was until I got entirely abstinent. I had an idea, but when I got entirely abstinent, it was very, very uncomfortable. And my bottom for me was felt at the depths in the pit of my stomach, in my spirit, in my emotions, in my mental state. And I feared for my um, sanity, my emotional sanity, because so much of my pain was kept inside of me privately. I didn't wear it yet on my body in many ways, although I hated my body. I hated it, and I looked for validation in other people's eyes, you know, and I looked in the magazines, and I tried to get myself to look like the people, you know, the models and the women in the magazines, and I just drove myself all silently privately with most people on the outside not knowing how I was suffering terribly and the thing with this disease is I can get off on any floor it's always going to keep going lower and lower and lower this disease really wants to have all of me and I love what we talked about a week or so ago that the the chains of this disease are so soft initially I don't feel them until it's too deep or too too hard to break free of you know um, so that's that's really what I wanted to share. And also just that the interaction of the physical and the mental does for me define what a real compulsive overeater 
eater is. And when I get separated from my alcoholic foods, that's just the start. The real work really begins. It has to stay continuing on daily, 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 you know, living in 10, 11, and 12. Like my life depends on it, and it, and it really, really does. Thank you so much. I pass. Thanks so much, Lisa B. We'll open it up again. Who would like Larry? Renata? Larry and Renata. Reva P. Are D? Reva P. Julie Wait a minute. Barbara B. Leia D. Just a minute. Julie M. And Leia D. And uh, let's stop at that moment. Somebody is on speaker because... We're hearing, uh, I'm hearing me again. I don't want to hear me. Wonderful. Okay, let's start with Larry. Reva P., didn't you share already? No, I didn't. Uh, Oh, I didn't call on you. Forgive me. Oh, my goodness. Yes, here you are. Okay, Barbara B., Julie M., and Leah D., I think it was. All right, Larry, please begin. Okay, can you can you hear me, Anita? Yes, I can very well. Okay, okay, good, thanks. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know what I read in this in this paragraph? I mean, Bill, you know, I don't know why, but the word violence comes to mind for me. It's a uh, behavior, you know, violence. What he was doing to himself was violent in nature. And, you know, I, I always thought of myself, I'm not a very violent person. I, I don't really like violence in movies or, sh- you know, I can give, I can take or leave, take it or leave it, but I, I really don't. I always saw myself as a pretty peaceful guy. But what I did to my body was violent. Violence, behavior involving physical force intended to hurt or damage. It was brutal, brutality, savagery. It comes from, from the Latin word volentis, and uh, which is compulsory. That's that's amazing. Compulsory. I was. I, it was compulsory. My eating was compulsory. And what Bill was doing was violent to himself. And you know, and that's where this disease takes us. This disease takes us to a violent place. We've heard some stories of people sharing. You probably have your own story. I have mine. You know, when I when I laid out my foods. This compulsory behavior was violent in nature. Keep your hands and feet, you know, away. Because when I go at it, you know, I mean business, serious business. This disease owned me. I was tethered to this disease. It robbed me of my life. I didn't know it at the time. I know it reflecting back now. Thank God I've been untethered. God has untethered me from this. But I never want to forget I never want to forget the violence. You know, the, the, it's funny. I was looking up the violence is defined by the World Health Organization as the intentional use of physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself, another person or a group or community. It's funny how they talk about oneself. We, we often think of violence, you know, violating oneself. We think of other people. That's what this disease did to Bill. That's what this disease did to me. I... The, the food never flew off the shelf down my gullet, but that's what I did. And my body showed it, but, but my mind and my, my emotions were owned by this disease. 
I don't want to give another second. I hear Harlan and others talk about I don't want to give another second, not another second to this disease anymore. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Reva P., forgive me. It's Don't get a resentment. <laughs> You're up next now. Oh, hi. It's Reva P. No problem. Um, so this is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. And what strikes me in this paragraph are the words agony, flights from city, flights from reality, escape, torture, and hell, and fearing for my sanity. And he talks about the mind and the body. Now, I knew that my body was being tortured. I knew, you know, from many, many times, every single night, um, lying on the kitchen floor, crying and eating, you know, telling myself I shouldn't be doing it, but doing it anyway, and being driven and compelled, no matter how agonizing the physical discomfort and the physical consequences, the next morning I was compelled to do it all over again. So I knew that, and I thought that was the problem. But thank you, God, this program has educated me. And you know what the greater aspect of my disease is and was, um, is the mind. You know how torturous it is and how hellish it is to beat myself up mentally, to be so fearful that I cannot function, I can't sit still because I'm going to just burst out of my skin with anxiety and fear or be so angry that, you know, I want to kill someone and I end up killing myself with the food. That's what happens when I'm abstinent only. And it is torture without the second part of the solution. So it's not just putting the food down, but what do I do when my mind is racing? What do I do when I get scared? What do I do when, you know, things are happening in my life that are emotional and I love how it's talked about, you know, I have like these exaggerated emotions. I don't know what to do with them. And I want oblivion and escape. I want nirvana. That's what the food does for me. So the only solution to that is to work my buns off doing the step work so I can access something, some power that can alleviate those feelings when the food is down and give me peace so that I don't need to pick up. And that is the miraculousness of this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Reva P. Barbara B., you are up. Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara E. I guess my teeth got in the way instead of Barbara B. And this is the first time I've ever spoken on this 7 a.m. meeting. And I'd just like to preface it by saying I feel myself evolving as a result of this uh, Vision for You meeting. And I am really, really thinking about going to this convention because it sounds so seductive and just what I need. I've always heard that food is the solution, not the problem. And that's kind of where I get stuck in the groove because I've been a compulsive eater, killing myself with food since I was a a toddler, 
watching Howdy Doody, if you remember it on television, and going back and forth and back and forth to eat. I don't believe I had any problems back then because I came from a normal family without any significant problems that I can identify. But I was always defiant, never reliant. I never thought I was weak. I always thought I could beat the system. And from the time I was a teenager on, begging my mother to take me to diet doctors and getting injections and pills and going to fat camps and using all the different programs that were available to me and doctors that were available to me, I always was arrogant enough to feel that I knew better. I could tweak each program so I would work at Barbara's way. And I lost the weight over and over, and then I picked it up again. Seven times 100 pounds gained and lost before I stumbled into OA and reached out my hands for help. I am a liar both to myself and to others, to my mother, my husband, my friends. I've stolen. I've done all kinds of heinous things. Uh, So I love hearing about this, that there is more than just that. I have, for my eighth and final time, God willing, I've lost the weight. I've kept it off for 20 years. But I realize now that I always wanted to take the elevator, and and the elevator is broken for me. I have to take the steps. I have to be reliant, not defiant. I have to stop saying I can beat it Barbara's way. I can beat it the OAAA way by reaching out my hand for power and strength beyond my understanding and accepting myself because I came in with no self-esteem. I've worked my way up to low self-esteem. And with the help and guidance of this vision for you, and the members and fellowship of the community, I feel I can do it. Thank you so much. This is very exciting. I'm signing off now. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara E. Welcome to the lines. And uh, Julie M., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Julie M. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. So the first line, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. Um, For me, that's reminding me of just the denial that I lived in for so long. And when I first came into the room five years ago, I put sugar down because that was what seemed to be calling me the most. And I had some, you know, I had some weight loss and everything seemed like that was really good. And years later, I found myself eating tons of cheese and high fat. And I thought that, you know, after I let go of sugar, that's where I went. And I just went back and read my journals from when I first let go of sugar. And all I was writing about was high fat foods. And so I, you know, I spent all these years thinking I was abstinent when I clearly was not, 
because I was using those foods during high times of emotional distress. And, you know, until I came on to Vision for You and, and understood what total abstinence means, I was in denial. I mean, I wasn't eating sugar and I lost some weight, but I was still doing these behaviors. And the fact that I thought everything was okay kind of blows my mind. I'm not beating myself up for it. That was just my journey with it. But the obsession of the mind was still there. And until coming onto this meeting, I didn't understand the difference. Um, so anyway, I just, it's unbelievable to me how, how the mind works and how denial can just be with me so clearly now looking back. And I'm so grateful to know about complete abstinence and, and know that it's not about the food. It's about I want freedom from the bondage that my mind keeps me in. And I know now that only by removing those foods that I, that I go to will I be free. And it's, it's about clearing the block between myself and my higher power. So I'm so grateful for this meeting. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Julie M. And Leah D., you'll be our last share for this hour. You Good morning. Two, uh, two minutes. Leah D. will take Leah D. will take her two minutes. Good morning. It's Leah. It's Leah D. from Brooklyn. I've got ten thousand four hundred and ninety-three hours of recovery today. The mind and the body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endure this agony two more years. Um, for forty years, I was in supported dieting. I owe my life to OA. Um, supported dieting, many years of abstinence and weight and measure, but not recovery. And the agony that I experienced is everyone's. And what I'm scared about today and what I wanted to share is the agony doesn't feel that painful today. And I really wanted to so I could remember. And I know it all happened, and I know I, 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 I am a low-bottom case, but the pain is not so severe today, and that's scaring me a little. I don't want to forget, and I'm afraid if it's not, if I can't feel it, like, like you're talking, I say, where is that pain? I know I did this, I know I did that, I stole money, believe me, I mean, all the things that I did to my body and my life all these years, it doesn't seem so painful today. I'm a little happy, joyous, and free. I'm in recovery. I have a gift from God. I have people I share with. I sponsor. I'm helping people work out issues. We love. We pray. God is with me constantly. My, I breathe in God and I breathe out the fear, but I'm a little scared that I'm not remembering that strongly. I'm a little afraid that I don't remember the pain as it is today. I think I'm supposed to. Maybe I'm not. Um, it's okay. As long as I don't pick up today and I work my program and stay close to all of you, I'll be okay. And um, with that, I'll pass. And thank you all for being here. Thank you so much. Um, we'll now um, close with uh, the, uh, the um, reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will ask Janice B. to read a vision for you for us. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
we realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.